exactly. I don't think you're a murderer. I also am the one who said I drugged you and locked you in the garage. So I'm yeah, right? the of serial killer more right. right now. I've never drunk drugs, but I've murdered 80 people. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have murdered. On stage. Hey, let's go. We're connected. Yes, hello. Welcome back to the pop up with Paul and friends. Guys, I'm glad you're here. You know, we keep doing this show. I keep meeting cool people and convincing them to come to this garage studio, whatever this is. I lock the door. I say, let's have some fun. They don't know that they're, it's locked. It's just you're stuck. You know, I, I like <laughs> getting locked in. <laughs> I make it. I make people, you know, I want you on your toes in the beginning. But this next guest, what I love about doing comedy in L.A. is I meet people, I meet comics. And, you know, when you're in the comedy scene, you're kind of like, oh, hey, you're cool, you're nice. But this guy from the outset we met over a year ago was awesome, like a friend I've always had. I loved his energy. And then we just bumped into each other again doing shows. And little did I know, he's been working on a special for so many years. And it's brand new, and it just came out. It's called Delivery. We're going to hear all about it. Put your hands together for the very funny Eric Schwartz, everybody. Yeah, I can't hear you. I can't Because we're recording, yeah. and you're there. Yeah. Well, actually, we're in a studio. This, I'm in the dungeon. It's kind of like practicing bombing because we have no response of an audience here. Yeah. Just we like, just have to fool ourselves into thinking we're killing it. Yeah. So it's hard about podcasting as stand-ups, right? Like, if if I'm not laughing, is it still funny? Yeah. I mean, that's see, that's the power of affirmations. That's why you got to do your affirmations, Paul, mm, every morning. Mm. Do just write them down and just convince yourself, I'm killing it. I'm, my hair uh, looks real. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, yours is not oh, real? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I sorry, mean. Sorry, I should have made a hair joke. Out of I mean, game. hair people problems. You know what I mean? I saw you do a hair joke the other night, so I felt like I was allowed to talk about it. Yeah, you can, man. You know? I'm, I'm as bald as uh, baby's butt, and uh, I, I'm proud of it. I, I feel like there's a, a misconception that bald is a bad thing, and I think, you know, it's really, we're just showing that we have a surplus of face. You also have a good face and sh head shape for that head. Thank you. No, I don't know what my head looks like. I haven't seen my head since I was a baby. Like your your hair is dream hair. Thanks for a man. Like you've got like enough hair to last you a lifetime. You know. Well, I mean, I paint the hairline on. I talk about this too much, but since doing television, I'll thicken the hairline a little bit. And one day I might tattoo that line just to play it safe. Are you serious? Yeah. Like I'll tattoo just like black here, so it always looks dark. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's my thing: so, you're very honest about it, which is rare for somebody yeah. who does any any guy like that's it's an insecurity, yeah. But that's the thing: like, like guy, like women are supposed to, women are allowed to wear wigs, but like if a guy does it, I do this in my special. I talk about this: like, what am I supposed to do? Like, we have three solutions for guys. Mm. They people get blame us for being bald. Right, and we all we did is we had genetics, and we have three possible solutions. We got drugs, rugs, and plugs. Okay, now what you're describing is the rugs, like if you if you're putting a you know something false that wasn't there before. And like I've been bald for over ten years. Am I just supposed to show up tomorrow and be like, hey guys, notice uh, you guys notice anything? It would be funny if you just like took your hat off with your friends and family and you just had this like huge quaff or like that you know you haven't had in a decade. It'd be kind of funny. I think it would be. I mean, I know that like sub subliminally subconsciously i would love to have my hair back because there's just possibilities because the reason i know this subliminally is that i'll have dreams that i have hair again <laughs> and i'll be like oh my gosh this is so fun i can do whatever i can 
because we, hair becomes our identity right, as, for as men. men. For sure, yeah. And then when you start losing it, you freak out because you're like, no, this isn't me. This is this is somebody else. I'm supposed to have hair, yeah. and you, you lose your identity. But what I'm saying is that your face is your true identity. Be proud of your Be face. Proud of your face. Now, yeah. You know, you can get in trouble for blackface, but can I get in trouble for black <laughs> scalp? Is what I'm curious. If well, I let me tell you, too. there there is a group out there that does appropriate bald culture. Really? Yes, and they're called the Blue Man Group. <laughs> they, they do. They're fake. They I've wear bald caps. Yeah. And you're supposed to like. How can you do like you? We live this life, you know what I mean. You you can't be just bald at work and get home, take off your bald cap, and be like, "Oh, I hated that." Yeah, it must be nice to pretend, right? Did you uh, did you watch Arrested Development? You know, when he auditioned for the Blue Man Group, David Cross. You ever see it? It's I watched every episode of it, and I just forget TV shows, man, and he, I, he, I forgot. He, he tries to be in the Blue Man Group, and he's bald. I, yes, so I remember. Yeah, 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 I do remember that. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. I guess he was maybe put a bald cap on, actually, though. Okay. I met those guys, and they, you know, it looks real. The head looks real, but it's rubber. They're very talented. They're very talented. And I have a friend who was used to be their DJ, Mike Realm, my favorite DJ in the world. Video DJ, he's, he's amazing, man. But, like, they're super talented, but... I thought they were bald this whole time, and then I found out they weren't, and I'm like, huh, I thought I had allies. I feel like you can start a movement, man. I mean, appropriation's appropriation. You know, why, I why could. Aren't... Why don't play the victim? It'll. It, it it gets a lot of attention. I think you can. I think you can claim <laughs> that. I think anybody can claim anything. Maybe. Yeah, he, they, they hurt my feelings. And and what about people with blue skin? They have right. not. You know. Yeah, the avatars of the world are like the avatar right. people are probably very offended. Yeah, they're in an alter- alternate universe picketing right now. Did James Cameron appropriate the Blue Man Group? Well, it goes deeper, dude. I don't know which one came first, man. <laughs> Are the Blue Man Group an avatar for avatars? Wow. <laughs> there was drugs in the chocolate I gave you for that. I think so. <laughs> you just gave me a chocolate before I came on, and you and I go, don't drug me. And I've just, my mind is going, dude. I love drugs. I've How never taken up them. With, uh, some comedians, never taken them. Some comedians did that. I can't remember who it was who like didn't tell their friend on a podcast. That'd be kind of messed up if I medicated yeah. people and they didn't know. Or you could really see, like you would, you would notice eventually. You'd be like, I feel. I definitely would because I have never done drugs. Whoa! I've never done like the Dare program worked on me. Wow! And so I just never got into it. And do you drink? I rarely I have before. I've I've had drinks, but I don't. It just makes me sleepy, man. So you don't like yeah, you don't like the feeling of being out of control or feeling sleepy maybe or which is it? Yeah, it doesn't I'd rather be like I'd rather have a coffee mm. and like perk up and be like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like and I don't I don't drink that much caffeine, but like when I do, you go hard. No, nah, I don't. I, don't. I I I get like 50 milligrams in me and I'm like, that's good. You See, know, I might maybe I have an addictive personality. I could have espresso all, every hour and be. Oh, fine. you could. I like operate. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I could see that about you. I, you're the kind of guy that I would want to get a coffee with. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, because we would just start. We're you're easy to talk to, and I think that that kind of um, you know, for me, like y- y- they say that 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 um, alcohol is the like the what do they call it that it makes you talk better i need some yeah. right now yeah 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 a shot <laughs> no, I'm yeah uh, i'm just, i can't express what it is with these social lubricator yes yeah but doesn't that go I, I mean thank you i think i think for certain personalities and certain anxiety it's helpful but i think i naturally have like a lot of energy and then even doing comedy like 
I don't like drinking anymore with shows. I used to like kind of blend them, mm. but I I don't like feeling out of control if I'm trying to control being funny. You know? Yeah, I did try once when I first started. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna try to have a drink before I went on stage, and I couldn't talk. <laughs> like, I had one drink. I guess I'm real sensitive to it. Like, I'm the kind of guy that I would go camping with my friends when I was like, you know, 21, 22. And uh, I would buy for the whole weekend of drinking and debauchery, I would buy one pack of wine coolers, which had four wine coolers mm. in it. I would come home with three. Wow. <laughs> You're crazy. You're yeah. wild. That's uh, a great quality, though. You're just born that way? Or you Were you straight edge growing up or conservative growing up or anything? Uh, my parents, I think they, they didn't really drink much in front of me, and mm. they lied to me a lot, like said they never did drugs or, mm. or drank really that much. And so I was like, yeah, I want to be in my parents' good graces, and I just never really did it. The guilt thing works for, like, like I've never done mm. crazy illicit drugs either. I've just tried weed, mm-hmm. but I've never done anything else. I think it was the fear of my parents, too, in a way, being like, you know, it's dangerous and we're going to kill you, basically. Yeah, I think I skipped the whole rebellion. You never I, had one? I never, not really. I mean, yeah, I never, because I heard, like, you're supposed to hate your parents between 13 and 24. It's like a survival mechanism, mm-hmm. but I always liked them, even during that time. Wow, I hope my kids are like you. Yeah, I me. don't know, man. I'm just, uh, I, that's why I think people might be, like, getting nauseated right now. Like, does this guy ever mess up? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It, it makes me relatable if I can, if yeah. I have some of those, but I'm, I'm so like, I just, i I try to do the right thing and then people fault me for it. You know, I love your energy. I think you're a great guy, but these specifics are making me also then go the other way and think that there's bodies you've killed in Oklahoma right. or something. Now you're saying like, I do everything straight edge. I don't drink. I, I love yeah. my parents and I've murdered half a, fa- half a, a town. And what I say to that is prove it. <laughs> you yeah. know, go ahead. You, you, you look like you'd be good it, at prove it. it. You look like you'd be, a, you, you'd be good at that too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm I don't think you're a murderer. I also am the one who said I drugged you and locked you in the garage. Yeah. So I'm yeah, right? the serial killer more. Right. right now. I've never drunk drugs, but I've murdered 80 people. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have murdered. On stage. Hey, let's go. We're connected. That's called chemistry, ladies and Yo, gentlemen. You're my new co-host, I feel like, for this episode. You're just like riffing, dude, you know? I'm down, dude. Yeah. For this episode, the episode I'm on. Yeah, I would never do it with other people. No, you right. I mean, yeah, you yeah, and yeah. I, you're co-hosting for... Your own interview. Yeah. <laughs> you say that to all the interviews. I've actually never said that, but you feel like a buddy who I would have sit in here more. It is called and friends, so you know you are welcome to come back and hey. interview people with me sometime. Thanks. No, and you know what you were saying earlier about like instantly we were like hitting it off. Because the other night when we when we did a show together, we had never really talked that much. We haven't. Yeah, and we just started talking. We were like I, I we somehow came up with like we live in the same city, we both run, and then we're like, oh cool, and like oh you do this, and I've been watching you online, and you've been watching me online, and I'm, you know, it's that not so secret admiration. Yes, you know, in a in a world of jadedness, I just think you're genuine. I think that I'm attracted to that. Like being in stand up now mm. is that genuine authenticity with your act. First of all, Thanks, if you're on man. stage, you're genuine, and then also as a person because people. I have a shorter fuse. Now, that's the wrong word. Like I'm like quick to notice. You walked in the night. I was like, oh, I love this guy. I remember this guy. Let's oh. chat and hang out. Then you have other people, and not just comedy in general, where that's maybe not there. Mm. 
And I'm just attracted to people working on their stuff and being real. And I think that's how you are. It's like you're super real. Well, what I like about you is that you're a great judge of character. <laughs> uh, Except for the killing stuff. <laughs> no, no, you're, yeah. No, but like, okay, you're you're a TV host by trade, right? Yeah. As well as stand-up comedian. But TV host, it doesn't even feel like you're interviewing. It just feels like you're talking and like you genuinely are interested in what you're asking I people. I am? Yeah. And I picked a job that I could just do that all the time. And that's why I love doing this. It's like, I want to get to know you better and I can. And it's fun, hopefully, for people to hear that. But we live in a time where, like, nobody wants cookie cutter. Be yourself. Like, same with stand-up. If we're not ourselves, we're not going to do well. Right. So I like connecting to that type of stuff to grow and be better and more entertaining. And I think it's an age thing, too. Like, I'm, you know, late 30s. I got a couple kids. Like, you, it just shifts a little bit. Like, life is short. What the hell am I worrying about? All the bullshit around this versus like this stuff, being real, having fun with you, working on com comedy. Like, I don't mean to sound high and mighty or self righteous, but there's a pers perspective shift that's happened too. Yeah. Like, if you were a dick the other night, I wouldn't, I would just be like, oh, I thought he was different. On to the next. It's just like a filter system. You have that? Yeah, a filter, a filter. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the best at it. I, I will say that like, I am pretty naive when it comes to. Um, you know, people's motives and stuff like that. And I, and I can get, I can get burned sometimes. Mm. Like I think people really, you know, are going to do what they say mm -hmm. sometimes. And then I'm like it, counting on it and then they don't do it. And I go, Oh, they only said that because they were trying to say face or whatever it yeah. is. You know what I mean? Especially in this, in this town, it's like people will tell you a lot of things that they don't mean and I'm like, what? And sometimes for no reason. It's just like You're, the thing to do is to lie. Yeah. <laughs> to your face. Yeah. There's like, there's like tons of people that do that. Like what you said, we, we, we said we were going to go running and you go, and this is not a Hollywood thing. Yeah. You know, because so many people say, will say, hey, let's go get lunch. Yeah. Let's go do this. And you never <laughs> hear from them again. No, but we haven't ran yet though. So I hope I don't become the No, it's okay, man. I had a busy week. This as week, long as we have legs, man, there's always a possibility. We can always do it. Yeah. We, we, we will do it. We will do it in the neighborhood soon. I'm excited for that. We'll I brought my shoes, dude. If you brought yours, let's go. Oh, we can go after this. We'll do a little podcast clip just jogging through the neighborhood <laughs> in, in the same outfit. Perfect. Um, no, I love that about you, man. You, you, what I'm learning about you, too, like it sounds like, I don't, I, where are you from? Because I'm almost like, I want to kind of guess based yeah. on what you're telling me, like the straight edge, the parents. Okay. I guess. don't know where you're from. I should know. Yes. All right. Yeah. Take a guess. Minneapolis. Oh, wow. That's, that's a good guess that would go with that. So you, why you say Minneapolis is because it's like a, like a seemingly safe area, but like, um, but like sheltered, um, but it's also a city, metropolitan. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought I don't know okay. like somewhere like that. I'm from, up the street, pretty much Thousand Oaks, California. Did I know this? Oh, maybe I didn't. Know. I don't think I knew this. Oh wow. Yeah, Thousand Oaks, California, which is uh, just north of L.A., and um, yeah. So I, I grew up like, pretty much like here. So I think that's why I think people think that L.A. is crazy because there's so many transplants yeah. from other places and they come here for a lot of times selfish reasons. Mm. And so these are the most selfish, self-centered, narcissistic people <laughs> that come from all over <laughs> and they go, well, where will I be accepted? Where right. can I be how I am? And they end up here. Yeah. So. I also like, I was just in Thousand Oaks. So I went to like a pumpkin patch with my daughter up yes. there. And it was so farm country. I had yep. no idea. I loved it up there. I was like, it's, I, I really was like, this is cool. It reminded me of like upstate New York. I think you went to Underwood Farms. 
Uh, it's uh, the, the famous pumpkin patch yes. out there. It's yes. it's technically Moore Park, but it's right next to Thousand Oaks. Yes, and, I've been uh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's beautiful. So when I was growing up, there were more farms out there. Now, it's like the epitome of suburbia. Mm-hmm. I think it's like um, I wish there were more culture in Thousand Oaks, um, but there's a lot of chain restaurants. Yeah, there's like you know. Uh, what do I say in one of my songs about, I did a song about the area code 805 and I go, um, um, this is the suburbs. This house looks like the other. I love Starbucks, but we don't need another. Nice. You know, so it's a, it's a lot of that and, you know, but that's in a lot of open space. So Applebee's. Yeah. Applebee's Yeah. It's funny how a lot of America is that way. You know, and we don't even realize it if you're not like you're from there. Where I'm from is, is a lot more mom and pop, so I, it's that's new to me. But I also Jersey don't judge it. I'm just like, yeah, it's okay. It's how those towns are, and it doesn't mean you're like a basic guy because you went to T, you know TGI Fridays every Friday. It's okay. Yeah, the that's what, basic. That's a good basic. Is that that's I I live in a basic bitch town. No, no, I like <laughs> I like Thousand Oaks. I think it was really cool, but it I is, think it's it kind of sad how most of those towns can't have mom and pop. Like it's almost like it's harder to survive in those towns where you got these chains that are just like, yeah, shelling out cash. Um, you talked about your songs. I want people to know how awesome you are musically because the first time I worked with you, I was very surprised. I I saw you as a performer, and I was I was brand new to L.A. and I was just getting into the scene. And we did a show together, and you got up there and absolutely killed the room. It was awesome. Not mm. killed the mood. I meant killed. Like, you had a yeah, great yeah, set. Yeah. But the music stuff was so unexpected. Oh, I thanks, didn't even man. know it was coming, and I was so pleasantly surprised. Tell me, like, your journey getting to be, like, musical as much as you're great at stand-up. Well, I always was into music. My stepfather is a musician. Um, he's, a, like, a jazz musician. And... Um, then when I was when I was thirteen, when I was fourteen, actually, I took my bar mitzvah money and I spent it on DJ equipment. I was into hip hop from early on. We used to break dance and all that stuff. So we were like, hey, my brother and I were like, hey, we should be DJs. And so we bought turntables and started DJing. We we would get records from this. My my dad, my biological dad, has had a clothing business where we would go to the swap meets on the weekend and sell clothing. And what? then there was yeah, there was a. Uh, just here in LA at this place called the Rhodium. And if anyone from that era remembers the Rhodium, there was a record stand called Rhodium Records. Now this is a famous place because that is where Dr. Dre used to sell his mixtapes. What? Yep. That's sick. He wasn't there, but his mixtapes were there. Wow. And I would spend all the money my dad would pay me on records on ta- on like Dr. Dre's mixtapes, this guy, other guy, Tony A. And that like I really got educated <clears throat> I really got educated on on hip hop through wow. that process. Yeah. Talk about like a cool setup with the dads too, like yeah. music and fashion. Like you guys put <laughs> well, two- I wouldn't call it fashion. <laughs> well, I mean, but still the influence of like you know, you're doing clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe it wasn't as cool. I wish it was fashion. So here's what he, he <laughs> This is the most Jewish thing ever. All right, here we go. My father, he sold shmatas. That's the Yiddish word for for rags, clothing. Oh, oh. He would go and get um clothing from downtown and it was office buildings. This is before like Ross and TJ Maxx made their huge proliferation to um everywhere in the US. And he would go around in a truck that had a store inside of it. Oh. And he would go to office buildings 
and they would the ladies would come out and shop on their lunch break and then that's how he would do routes all during the week and then on the weekend we would go sell things at the swap meet wow yeah but dude, you say it's not cool, but like if you look at most people and hipsters in LA now, they're, yeah, yeah. they're they're thrifting. They're wearing probably similar items. Probably the same stuff the that same he stuff saw. He <laughs> and now it's finally cool. It's come back around. Now you're yeah, like, all right, yeah. maybe it's cool now. But you know what was so cool about that time is that if you go back to that swap meet now, it's not the same. There's a lot of like farmers market type stuff with food and but back then it was like they'd have gold chains on a rope and you would just cut it. The, the probably fake. Mm-hmm. They'd have like any kind of like Gucci bag, probably fake. Uh, like shoes, like Air Johnsons, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, they had records. Like the music, you couldn't get. You couldn't. There was no streaming at that time. Yeah. And then there was Shammies, the Sham Wow guy. Started there. I actually yeah. met him, the Vince, the Sham Wow oh guy, at a God. show, and I told him like I used to go to the Rodium, and they would sell things like he sold. He goes, dude, that was me. Wow. So I saw, he goes, yeah, I used to sell at the Rhodium wow. during that time. I love those things. I used to go to them a lot in New York and growing up like flea markets. There's an energy and there's a fi- like bohemian. You find It's like the, the hunt too. Like you find knickknacks and stuff. Yeah. A lot of antique antiques. stuff there. Now. I love that. It wasn't like that then. It was, right, it's, it you was, know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, because you can get all the stuff that they used to sell this well. I mean, like on Amazon now. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm intrigued also, by the way, I used to DJ and I started in DJing too. And yeah. I used to do bar mitzvahs and weddings in Dude, New Jersey. Dude, same with me. So that's how I kind of started as a performer before even TV or anything. Yeah. I was in front of people being like, ladies and gentlemen, now for the first time with husband and wife, the brand new Mr. and Mrs. Yep. And I did that. That's how I started this, all this. Yeah, I me too. I was a drummer, but I played in wedding bands and I DJed them. So I know that world really well. I had records, CDs. Except Dude. CD cases. Yeah, I still have all my stuff at home. Wow. Uh, okay, how nervous were you the first time you introduced a, a married couple? So nervous. I messed it up. I oh, was yeah, so I've, nervous. I've done the same thing. I said, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. and Mrs. No, I said, I said, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. and Mr. Garcia. <laughs> and they were looked at me like, what? You were uh, like, just, I mean, Mrs. You were just 15 years too early on the legalization of gay marriage i was really before the time <laughs> ahead of my time i go gender doesn't matter people yeah. uh <laughs> that's amazing dude I, you know i used to have recurring nightmares that i've since gone away i have other ones now but it used to be that same thing it was like the wrong name and i've done it all the wrong name the the the, the ex-husband name the 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 dead father-in-law <laughs> i've like said it all yeah don't the one song that they if you play it brings up the ex like or whatever it is, don't play played it everything yeah. right yeah but it really gave me a great like roots in uh in this and like being a performer and i remember my dad we did a promotional video i gotta find this man because you know i do this for a living now and i remember this might be why i've continued pursuing this he had me do a promotional video i got zits and bad hair (laughs) and i'm like i start with the classics all the way up to today and i'm like trying to be natural yeah selling myself as a dj and it's just the most contrived stilted (laughs) i'm just like i just like playing everything and Getting people fuck, and I would like mess up and get mad at my dad, and so it's funny how I look back on like that time, like you know, we were so young. How young were you when you started? I started DJing when I was fourteen. Yeah, I was similar. Yeah, even younger. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of daunting to be like the, the leader of a party at that age. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, when I started, I was doing. I think I might have done one wedding at that time. 
but I was mostly doing parties for like my peers and and younger. I was doing like junior high dances. That's and, cool. And like and high school dances, and then eventually it turned into some cool stuff. Like I got to DJ for the studios, like the the Hollywood studios. Cool. I got to DJ Spring Break in Jamaica. Whoa. Uh, for MTV once. It was like, I did it for like six years, and one of the years MTV was down in Jamaica, and like Jay Z was there, wow. came into the, into like, I shook his hand, came right up to my DJ booth. Wow. Uh, Destiny's Child. So they might have, like, Jay Z and Beyonce might have met at that. You put them together. It yeah, like. I think it was me. Yeah. Wyclef. Nice. Yeah. I got to actually DJ behind Wyclef. He threw a party at, our bar to like at the end of the MTV spring break boys to men was there. Nice. Yeah. It was amazing. DJing is such a ticket in that world. If you get good at it, I have a buddy now who's an awesome DJ and he's, he's like, he's done it forever. And he's going back to doing events. He does Dodger stadium now for the Dodgers. Oh wow. But like, it's such a cool gig when you, you can get very connected. You're the guy providing the tunes you're mixing. How good were you at mixing? Cause you're a great performer musically with yeah. rap and stuff. It's all rhythm, so you're probably sure you're good at mixing and stuff, right? Yeah, you know, I actually, I actually, my girlfriend did some parties recently just for fun, and um, I DJed them. So I like came out of retirement, and um, and then I was like having so much fun. And my mixing, I guess, I'm still good at it because the DJ from the actual bar, he goes, "Whoa, you're not using the the sync? There's like a button that I didn't even know about it." That you can sync all your mixes to be on the same tempo. And I wasn't using that. I was like just mixing old school. And he goes, Whoa, I've never seen anyone do that. I'm like, What? Yeah. The <laughs> like, sync button is like a modern. The thing. sync you, button is like, You don't yeah. do that with records. People you know? look down on that. The yeah. DJs look down on that. Well, it's a cheat code, right? And it's fake. It's fake. You got to do it the right You got to do it by ear. You got to do it the right way, you know? Yeah. You got to feel it. Yeah. That's awesome. It makes sense for your act and the way you do stand up this background. It makes sense now coming up with hip hop, playing parties. Yeah. Dr. Dre, I mean, a California kid with the Dr. Dre influence, the best hip hop production influence ever. I mean, yeah. his early records are some of my favorites. And I'm from Jersey. I'm allowed to say that now because the beef's over, I guess. Yeah, the beef, uh, the beef is over. Uh, <laughs> Everyone died. Oh, God. Too soon. I know. Is it? It's always too soon, man. Been a, it's been it's been long enough. <laughs> I, now and I'm insulting Biggie and 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 Tupac. Well, look at me. You know, but the that yeah, stop the violence is what I say. Amen. We're all in the same gang. I agree. You know. Yeah, I agree with that. But there was a beef back then. But but I I always loved both. But I love Dr. Dre and I love Biggie. Those are my two from the two coasts more yeah. than anybody. Dre is a genius. I mean, I I get I get. Um, I was, I was almost on a Dre production. I think, I I like. Uh, no, I don't know. I went into his studio one time with another performer that was up for a role, and I was I was um, like helping him or something mm. like that. And he brought me in. And he goes, "Hey, you should give him your songs." And I gave somebody. Dre wasn't there, but I gave somebody a song. I never heard anything back, but so I would say almost, uh, almost not. Talk yeah. to me about the songs for the special, and also yeah. using music to do your thing because it does make you stand out. And it's also like, if you don't do it well, I feel like it's very hard to recover as a comedian. If you're like your music's so strong and funny, ah, oh, thanks. But I've seen it not go well for other people. I'm not talking trash, but I mean, like, what was it like to decide like to incorporate that? Yeah, well, because music has always been part of my life, I just feel like 
it's part of my truth. So I have to sh- share that in yeah. my special. Um, it's a multimedia musical and stand up special. So I mix the three of those together. Um, it starts with music and then, you know, there's five total songs in the whole special, um, intermixed with like multimedia and stand up. And, um, the beginning of the special is this, is a song that is different than any comedy special you've ever seen. It, I think the beginning is going to get a lot of attention. I mean, it just came out. So I think that the reaction is going to be like, what the hell was that beginning? I've never seen anything like that. Great. And the end ties it in. It's a callback to the beginning. So it's like, you know, bookended. I respect the writing that I I hear uh, with this because it's a body of work, it sounds like. It's cohesive. It's almost like an album. When you make albums, it should all relate. It sounds like you wrote this that way. It's like my baby, and that's why yeah. I call it a delivery. There's a birth story, ah. and there's also the way, the reason I call it delivery as well is that my delivery method is pretty different. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing I'm delivering my 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 jokes with with stand up, with multimedia, and with music. So. Did what came first? Were you doing music full time before stand up, or vice versa? Well, I first started as a DJ, and then my friends in high school were like, "Hey, you should do stand up," because I would listen to Saturday Night Live and like, and uh, like Eddie Murphy, and I would imitate them and do them to my friends, and they were like, "Hey, you should do stand up comedy," and I, I guess I was, uh, I believed them, mm-hmm. and I started doing it in college, just like putting on my own shows in the dorms, and um, I just like at one point I was like what would be the most fun for me to do? Like, I'd love to do a show that also incorporates music. Cause I love that feeling of like total letting go that I see when I, when I'm rocking a dance floor. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I was like, how do I put that into stand up? And that was my, my way of doing it. Wow. When did, yeah. did you do stand up without music for a little bit first? And then you brought it in. Yeah. I had just straight up stand up, but it, but, it always like I would always like sing little jingles or whatever, little songs or musical thing. I would talk about music in the stand-up. Um, so yeah, it always had like some kind of a musical element mm. to it because it's what I'm obsessed with. I think. Yeah. Do you do you pick and choose? Like I know you're at the Laugh Factory tonight. Do you pick and choose? Because it's also a production. You got to bring equipment. You're bringing musical stuff. Like, what do you bring? Is it your decks? What is it? You have a bunch of. Stuff um, you bring. I have a looper. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a looper that also does um, vocal effects, yeah. and then I have an iPad, and then that's what I'm. That's what my current setup is, and I wouldn't mind, you know, expanding on it. I got to just, you know, I'm gonna play around in my studio between now and and the next, you know, big tour, and you know, maybe I'll add some gear. Maybe I'll add, I'll bring some turntables in and yeah. But do you bring I, that to clubs or do you work on? So you're bringing that tonight? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not bringing. I'm I'm bringing my looper and I'm bringing cool. my iPad. But you know, then sometimes like the other night when we did a show, I didn't bring anything and so I just, you just did jokes. And choose sometimes what, what you want to work on. Kind yeah. Of, right. That's yeah. Or cool, how you want to do your set. Yeah. Or like I know what the audience is going to be like. And yeah. It's for them. It's not maybe not for them. So, you know, I just like having options. I'm looking forward to I'm going to come out later tonight. So, but yeah, I haven't dude. seen your music stuff since I met you, whatever that was. So I'm excited to see it. Well, here's yeah. another layer. The first show is called Spanglish, and I'm going to be dropping some jokes in Spanish. Which I, another thing, <laughs> that's why I, I think you're, 
so unique. We don't expect you to do the music stuff. We don't expect you to be bilingual. I mean, everything is unassuming about you and your your stuff. That's, uh, I guess, by design. I like to stay incognito, you know what I mean? But your Spanish isn't just like, oh, white guy trying Spanish. Your Spanish sounds perfect. Well, my stepfather's Mexican, and I studied uh, Spanish in college. It was my minor. And so, yeah, like the, I get the culture from my family, from my, from my stepdad. And um, the biggest segment of my audience at the moment is, is Mexican. And so, you know, the cultura seems to, awesome. seems to respond to it, which do is you, great. Do you rap or sing in, Mex- in, in, Sp- in Spanish? Mexican, Spanish, <laughs> Sorry. Jesus. In American? <laughs> uh, I, I, do, I do a couple songs that have some Spanish in it. Like actually, in the special, there's this song that is uh, it's called "Parangaricutirimicuaro," which is this tongue twister in Mexican Spanish that my stepdad taught me when I was a wow. kid. And so I made up this story about what is "Parangaricutirimicuaro," and uh, so there's some some lines are in Spanish. Yeah. Can you roast me in Spanish right now, just for my own amusement, for the the fun of it? Sure. Just, just go go as hard as you want. Sí, pero no, no, how you say roast, roast asada, asa, asar, I think, because uh, like carne asada, yeah, yeah. it's like grilled cooked, pero no, no, um, no hago asado, no, I'm not like, I don't know, um, no, no hago estos tipos de, de chistes mucho, es de para asar, pero, uh, okay, okay, su pelo parece gambi. <laughs> Un poquito, <laughs> pero moreno. Gracias. Pero gracias, moreno. Gracias. Okay, so okay. I look like Gumby. That was a pretty, yeah. pretty safe roast. I like that. See, yeah, even nice good. when you're trying to roast in Spanish. Yeah. You can say anything. I wouldn't understood it, but I understood Gumby. I'm not a big roaster. That's yeah. the thing. I'm you're, better you're in too Spanish. Nice. You're too yeah. nice. Yeah. I, I, I think about that. Like if I ever did a roast battle, I would just have to just like summon every evil spirit i've ever thought about you know i just saw on the other night i like that brand of comedy i love don rickles but it's such a fine line now like i respect it when it's ribbing and then you like it's loving sometimes like right it's only one and, and i feel like these contests now these shows are just like i mean honestly it was really fun to watch the other night like yeah it's a way I show love with my peers, especially comedians like the yeah. more we're your friends i might start ripping on you and it's like a sport right yeah but yeah, it's it's a weird thing. Or like, there's like a whole science to it with the comedy scene here. I think where like you have to really do it. There's some know. people that are really good at yeah, it. Yeah, they're brutal. My friend who just won the roast battle, like the championship, his name's Ryan Neeson. He's great at it, mm. and I've known him since before he was a comedian. And like, I'm, it is it is a, it's it's weird. Like the longer I do comedy, the more it's like splintered off into different niches of like types of comedy you do little buckets yeah yeah it's it's kind of cool well it's, you're your own but like the special included you're your own unique lane which hmm. i think as we do this more is the goal like i've struggled since i've started to figure out where that lies i think it's our duty to be like here's the lane i'm i'm pursuing for myself you knew the music thing but it probably took you many years of chiseling the songs the act the the, the spanish stuff you want to say Right? Like, how long have you been working on this? To me, it's like, it's like snapshots, right? So, like, this special is a snapshot of where I was when I recorded it, mm-hmm. right? So, we, you know, we can prepare as much as we want, but it, it's, it's like just a moment in time that we're capturing. Yeah. You know? And then, and then inevitably, you could start doing that same set, like, two months later, and you're, 
and you're like find all this new stuff that you could have said on your special. Yeah, but I, right? I think you're in a good place with it that you're so proud of it, and it's, it's yeah, you know, it's definitely the best thing I've ever made. Like, I look at it and I'm like, you know what? I put everything out there. Yeah, I I, I don't have any regrets about it. Not yet. And then we'll, we'll we'll start getting some more comments, and then maybe I'll start regretting. No, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I think kidding. you're at the best level of it where it's hitting now, where you just get that's the best way to put something out. You know, yeah. like don't let people shun that because that's the be- That's what we're all trying to get to is feeling proud of our work and right. putting our best stuff out there. And that's an accomplishment. Congrats! You should feel good about that's it. That's really thank you, man. Then that's really one of the themes in the special is at the end. There's a song called "My Legacy." And it, it's by design. I didn't go super like hilarious on the last on the last song. I love that. I wanted to bring it back a little bit more grounded. And one of the things I say is is give yourself recognition. You know, I I ask myself when am I gonna make it? Right? We always ask ourselves yeah. when am I gonna make it? And then I I realize the answer is in the question. When am I gonna make it i have to make that situation mm. for my dreams to come true mm-hmm. and that's what i did i made the special so i made it you're also living your dream like we the dream the line keeps moving the more you grow in this field i think like if i told myself 10 years ago everything i'm doing now i'm living out the dream but in my eyes now i'm here i'm like no no no. there's all these other ones up here mm-hmm. you're about to put out i mean you're putting out your first special that's a dream right yeah but I, yeah once you do it, you're like, all right, next. It's 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 our brains in in this space, but that's There's, why I like that message: recognition, accomplishment. You know, um, to quote the Nike Run app that I use, <laughs> which we're gonna use together. I get my, I get my inspiration from the Nike Run app. Uh, every finish line is a starting line. Yeah, you know? I also think people in show business who make it, quote unquote, don't feel like they have. They, they truly feel like, oh, I'm putting my head down. I got to do the next fun thing. And I hate yeah. that idea of, like, chasing, you know, once you get somewhere. I like the idea of the process and, and just continuing to best foot forward and, and making the stuff, you know? like. And I feel like, I, you know what I feel like? And I'm going to, we're, we're going to get real, uh, we're going to get real into our feelings here, is um, I feel like one way to feel fulfilled with your goals with your with what you're doing is gratitude right yeah i sometimes you know i'll be like well what am i doing i'm not doing anything and then you just write 10 things down that you're grateful for 10 things that are going right no matter how insignificant and you like instantly be like oh yeah i'm doing pretty good yeah it's perspective man we get so lost that's the one thing i struggle with moving here and i know you're from here but specifically in our business is like letting that get to you and, and being in a comparison space and like competitive, which is not my nature, mm-hmm. but you get out of gratitude quick. Cause you go, yeah. that guy's doing this, this girl's doing that. I'm doing this. I'm good enough. I could do that. You just get crazy. And, and we're all this way with social media now, but gratitude is key. Cause you yeah. need, you need that perspective to continue on. And what's the goal really? You get to a certain level and then what? I mean, it'd be nice to have right. clout and clubs, you know, the, you know, if I could walk into a club and get on stage, that's a cool goal. But like, you still got to do the work and have gratitude and work hard. And it's not what well, you're still going to be doing the stuff is what I'm saying. Right. And it's, it's tapping in and, and listening to your, to whatever you source gives you your inspiration. You yeah. know, like I, people ask, sometimes they go, how do you come up with that? And I go, I don't come up with it. It comes up with me. And then it's our job to like record that 
in, you know, writing or actually recording it. But you know what I mean? Now we're getting real deep. I like the deepness, though. By the way, the studio, some people say sometimes I set it up in a way where this big leather chair and the couch is like kind of therapy. Yeah. I'm not equipped for therapy, down. but you can lay down and tell me lay down. Yeah. Tell me about um, yeah, ask any me. any parental thing. I mean, you didn't hate your parents, but so you're you. fine with the parents. Um, uh, yeah, I love more, my parents. More core issues for you? Mom, dad, I love you. Thank you for a great upbringing. Um, wow, this is different than most therapy sessions. I, I did, I did get my mouth washed out with soap a couple times. I thought that was wrong. Um, I want to say, um, I want to say, uh, when you said that I was just like my father, um, whose fault is that? Um, I want to say, I want to say, um, I love you unconditionally, no matter what. Um, and I loved having not one parent, not two parents, but four parents that I all consider my parents. Wow. You know what I mean? That was the <laughs> like you. the healthiest therapy session I've ever I heard. so cleansed. That was so good, man. Thanks, man. See, you got to get your chest. You're a good mentor. I'm a therapist. That's you are a, a therapist. Yeah. You are. I honestly feel like in this town, if I branded myself as one and just listen to people, I could make a killing. I could just be like, hey, tell me everything. You know what? Just act like one. That's what we do in this town. Act. <laughs> How many therapists in LA are actually certified therapists? I'd be <laughs> right. surprised to find out. They're just, uh, I don't want to say out of work actors because if they're doing it, they're working. They're acting. Yeah. That was good, man. It's the first time someone's really, really, you know, got deep on the couch like that. Literally yeah, deep on the couch, you know? Oh, yeah. I found change. You, yeah. Not only in the cushions. But here, for <laughs> <laughs> a guy who doesn't do drugs, you seem high. You know uh, thanks, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, no, I'm kidding. That's why I, I don't need to do drugs, I'm dude. Like I'm you too. I'm pretty spaced out. I, you're not spaced out. You don't seem high. I mean, like you're, you're very connected. You're deep thinker. It's good. Maybe my brain's made of marijuana. Could be THC. You have like a weird THC level in your brain. No. Yeah. I think you, based on what you're telling about your family too, and I think you have a good wiring for the outlook on life, the gratitude wiring is maybe not always part of it. It's also, it's also nature nurture. It's a mix of things. You sound like you had great, a great set of parents, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, uh, you know, like you, you compare yourself to other parents and you go, Oh, I wish my parents did that. I wish my parents, you know, but like, whatever, like maybe I, I if I didn't have a good upbringing, I don't know about it. I'm actually very impressed. Usually when there's a step parent, mm -hmm. there's like the trope to like the evil step parent. And yours, you literally learn the language and embrace the culture. Like that's, I feel like that's the opposite of what most kids would have done. Yeah, man. I mean, I. I like he, he showed up and you were, you were like, "Bienvenidos." Yeah, bienvenidos. <laughs> yeah. Bienvenidos, Jaime. Uh, he was my stepdad since I was like four years old. Oh, okay, that's cool. you know. So yeah. I was really young, and he's he's just the coolest dude. Like yeah. he's always he's hilarious. He's the coolest dude in the room. You always want to be like him. He's this guy in a leather jacket playing guitar. Hell yeah. You know, he's got want, great hair. Something that I admire. Your family parties sound like they were a blast back in the day, too. Yeah. I mean, he just always had that vibe. Like, he was a cool jazz man. Nice. You know? Yeah. Um, does everyone speak Spanish in the house? Did your mom learn or, or any other? Were there other siblings? Oh, so I have my brother. Oh, yeah. You said that. My brother. But, but I think I probably speak the most spanish maybe even more than my mom i think more than my mom she 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 did learn a lot and they actually live in mexico now oh cool yeah they live in um Get in like out. the middle of the country that's amazing yeah yeah wow. uh, and i've got to i've got to uh, travel down there and it's really made me realize like i think america has a misconception about mexico yeah because we all think it's 
dangerous and, you know, and poverty. But where they live is in the middle of the country. It I feel way safer there mm. than I feel in Hollywood. Wow. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Like, there's, I don't, you know, there's some homeless people, but they're, like, nice. And you would yeah. say hi to them. And you'd be like, hey, what's going on, Jim? Yeah. Or, you know, like, they're, like, the neighborhood homeless people that you see every day. Um, you're not, like, stepping over poop and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Every, everywhere judges everywhere else, like, if you don't know it. It's just ignorance. And because we hear headlines about stuff in Mexico or... You know, most of the tourist place also, I feel like, are gorgeous in Mexico, yeah. like the beaches and stuff. And I can imagine small towns like that yeah. must be so nice. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm imagining you overhearing people speaking Spanish. Like, what's the funniest scenario since you learned the language oh. where you... Did you talk about this the other night on stage? <laughs> I did. I might I, have talked about this It's in this my the head because, like, you wouldn't, we would not expect... Like, you ever call someone out and be like, I understand everything you're saying, you, you jerk or whatever? Uh, you know, I'm not fluent... <clears throat> I used to be fluent. Sorry. You're close <laughs> enough. You're, I mean, you, you sound very, very good. I have a really good accent. And it's Mexican, the accent, right? Yeah. Which is also what's so wild to hear. From yeah. You. I'm not fluent, but I have a really good accent. So <laughs> that gets me into trouble because I'll start speaking and then people assume I oh, that's what it was. can understand everything. Yes. And the other day, my gardener, the gardener was outside in front of my uh, place. I live in a townhouse and he was talking about cutting down the trees and I could tell he was, because he was motioning toward the trees, and he said árbol, which means tree. And and then I go, ¿Vas a cortar el árbol? Which means, are you going to cut the tree? And so he thought that I spoke Spanish. And he just comes back at me with, like, lightning fast. And I didn't know what he said, so I just smiled and I said, Gracias. Bueno, gracias. <laughs> I just walked away. And a tree I, landed on your car an hour later. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. So I, he could be like uh, over there unrooting the trees, and I don't know. Yeah, but you know what? With your knowledge of it, if you went to Mexico for like six months, you the speed would be fine. It's just because you probably don't speak fast with everybody all the time. Yeah, I just I it's like, I've been fluent a couple times in my life, and it's usually like when I'm in a Spanish speaking country for a while. Uh, I'm just like immersed in it. You're you know? around it, yeah. I was the yeah. same with Italian. I lived in Italy and I spoke every day. It's like you're just around it because so much of those languages, especially Spanish and Italian, it, it is the the twang, the physicality, the dialect. Like I love that about the Latin languages. Like you yeah. pair things together so different than English. Yeah. And you don't really know it unless you're on the streets. That sounds wrong. But you know what I mean? If you're there, you have to be there. In Italian, I'll tell you this story. When I was DJing in Jamaica, uh, I met this Italian girl. And we hit it off, and we were like, you know, kind of, We she did not speak English. Nice. She spoke Italian, and the way that I communicated with her was in Spanish, because the languages are so similar. But it's not all the same. So I spoke Spanish to her once, and she didn't understand. It was so funny. I go, I said something in Spanish. I go, quiere ir al restaurante y vamos a... Uh, a comer langostino or something like that. And we're going to go to the restaurant and eat lobster. And, and it wasn't, let me take that back. I said something about like, do you want to go somewhere? And then she goes, pizza? Like <laughs> she thought I was talking about pizza for some reason. Oh, so it was like she totally un- misunderstood. She misunderstood the, the, the restaurant. But talk about romance, two Latin lovers with two different languages. She had lost, you know, the only thing that was translatable was the love. Was the amor or amore? We just had the a in Italian. That's amor it is. y amore. A lot of the same phrases. I understand Spanish from Spain better than Mexican Spanish because Mexican Spanish is a lot faster and 
slangier to my ear of Italian. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I pathetically try and speak, though, now that I'm here. Like, I speak a lot with Mexicans, and I think I look bad. But are you talking in Spanish, or are you yeah. speaking Spanish? I usually okay. say, like, ah, puedo, puedo hablar un poquito, hablo italiano. Hablo espanolo con un asiento italiano. That's what I usually mm. say. Because it's true. I speak okay. Spanish with an Italian accent. Then yeah. they go, we're not working here. We're working next door. Leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Uh, yeah. And a lot of times I'll meet, I'll meet Mexican people here that they don't speak Spanish. And they go, you speak more Spanish than I do. Yeah. I, don't know, I love the way you bring it up in your comedy. And I know everyone was going to go watch a special after this. But I love... It makes it so fun and endearing to watch you talk about the upbringing and the culture, la cultura. I love the way you say that. <laughs> it's so unique, man. It's amazing you found your voice in, in, obviously it's you, but you've made it work and made it funny for people who don't know you out of the gate, you know? You know, it was, it was crazy. Like when I, when I started hearing more and more talk about like, you know, um, um, against Mexican people coming in in the country and all that stuff there you know a few years ago I don't remember what happened but yeah. like around an election somebody said that like Mexicans are rapists and killers and stuff like oh, that somebody, and so yeah. I made it a point to be like you know what I'm not going to tell people what they should believe I'm just going to celebrate the cultura yeah you know cultural appreciation yeah uh, you know and and I I think that that is what what I try to do with things that I love. Same with hip hop, like I really love hip hop and I celebrate it. And I'm not trying to be the inventor of it. I just you know I love to spread that the joy of hip hop. You know through totally with my comedy. Yeah, we take what we are and what we love, and we try and spread it with the world. I feel the same way about my beliefs and culture, and I think it's important. I think that authenticity is what really works in in comedy that's what yeah. i found so you're being authentic if you get Thanks, up there man. and you try and sound like a comedian who you think is funny or you're like I, I was like that the first few years it's like you have to become who you are it's the hardest job in the world though, to look at yourself and be like who am i what do i want to say what do I, you know it's freaking crazy and you know i think the audience like eventually what happens with the audience is they see part of themselves in you right yeah so i don't know wh what it is that they see in me you know, because we're all different than other people, but like, but yeah, man, I'm glad, I'm glad it's, it's working. It's definitely working. Now I love seeing you like, you know, you're on the marquee at the laugh factory here in Hollywood. You're, you're at a great level in town. You're doing big shows all the time, right? Like how long have you been a working standup? I'm just curious. I don't know when you say working standup, I don't, I don't really here, know. I mean, like how long have you been getting up in, in LA? LA? Yeah. I think I, I think I came back to LA in 97. Oh, and you've been doing comedy? I started in 94, dude. Wow, dude. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but I was in college, and I just was, like, just, like, doing shows in the dorms. Wow. Yeah. So, so. I, I ask you because you you are at a Jedi level the way you perform, and I think it takes t that time. It takes time. Time, definitely, you know. But, you know, there's also, there's really, time will definitely help you. You get better. But there are people that don't do it very long that reach high levels of success and that's yeah. you know there's no set timetable totally that's that's what i think frustrates a lot of people is that it's not like a job where you you know if you put four years in there's a prerequisite and you put these four years in and then you can be eligible to be a supervisor mm. you know it's not like that it's like maybe you're what 
people are looking for at that moment. Yeah. You know, so the the things that we have control over are what we put on stage and how we have our heads set straight. So those are the things that, that you got to, you know, focus on. I love it. But you also continue to do it and grow in it. Like, I understand that feeling now doing it as long as I have where it's shifted where I'm like, Oh no, I'm going to be doing this. This is kind of something I'm yeah. going to continue to work at. And it's cool seeing someone like you who kind of noticed that as well, because you've worked at it for so long and it shows. That's what I like about this though, is like the more reps, the more it shows. It's like the only, I mean, I guess you could say that about anything with like the time and the focus, but stand up specifically. It's like, it is pretty rare what you're describing and it can yeah. happen, but like Robin Williams, you know, but I think it's a, I, I really, I don't know. I respect the hustle of stand up more than ever before because I really see that the, the nitty gritty now that I'm doing it. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's a, yeah, it's like a lifestyle. Yeah, that's maybe what I'm saying. Yeah, and I feel like with any comedian anywhere, I do feel somewhat of a connection of fraternity. You know what I mean? I it, mean that too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, like if you meet another comedian, no matter where you are in the world, you're like, okay, they go through these things where we're staying at a bar all night. You early on, you're just hanging around all night for three minutes, and you love those three minutes, and you yeah. feel so much better about yourself when you did it. You know, Dude, yeah. I don't do this for therapy, like stand up, but I did have a weird night the other night. It might have been the night. It was the night I saw you. I don't think I told you. I just had a weird mm. day. I was feeling down about something. And I like whipped myself into shape and had a fun night. You know, it was a small show. I don't know if I killed or bombed, but I had a great night. And it it, it that that made me think about comedy differently too a little bit. It's like you can have it's like you we force ourselves to do this thing we love and it you just you find gratitude. You can find gratitude quicker. It can make your life better. You know, it could drive you crazy too. But I right. just I don't use it for therapy, but I think I made a joke the other night that it was my therapy or something that day. And it's like, yeah, it's, you can use it for that. You can use it to find gratitude and, and have a have a good good night, you know? It's like you're forced, like you said, you're forced to get yourself into that mind frame. And to do that, you can't be stuck in, like, what was bugging you. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, like, my social scene is stand-up comedy. Yeah. Like... I can't even tell you, like, when's the last time I went out myself? Like, I went dancing or, like, you know, or, like, went out with my girl doing that. Like, we go have dinner, but it's, like, that is what I do for, like, my fun. I, I'm now there, too, because I am focused on it now. Like, the other night I went, I had a show at the Improv, but my first time ever, they did this lab, the lab show. It was awesome. Ill-prepared. Have you done yeah. that show where you get oh, suggestions? No. These guys who put it on are awesome. This oh, guy, cool. Matt. But the crowd shouts suggestions, and then you do material on the spot. You try and write oh, jokes on the spot. So that. fun, dude. I love that. You also do a set in the beginning, so the crowd like knows you. Mm -hmm. But that night, my buddy was producing a show in the main room. So I walked into the main room. I saw some – it was an SNL show. I saw Dana Carvey working next door, these legends. Go back into my show. And then there was the ro there was a roast show after my show. So I got a drink, hung out. And it's what you're describing, like the social scene of this, if you're in it and you're working on it, is – I'm so into it now because I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. I never cared before. I'd just be like, you know, out with my regular friends. Yeah. You know, it's different now. Like, it's, it's, it's fun. And someone like you, like the other night, like, you know, writing tags, coming up with jokes. Like, it's a community. Right. Hey, I saw this thing you did. Like, you ever think about going to the DMV? 
like after the car accident, you go to the DMV, you find whatever the thing is. Right. But I'm not smart enough to write the like. I like when <laughs> comics like are like tagging up and collaborate. I'm more of a people person than I am an alone comic. Is what I'm saying. Well, sometimes it's like you say something and then that outside view, that outside perspective, can give you another angle. You know. Yeah. So yeah, like I I love when people when other comedians give me like little nuggets, you know, it's so fun. Yeah. And it's a certain breed of comedian where it's just like, we're all here to have fun and grow. And, uh, even the other night, some guy was complaining about something. He had like something issue with his face. And I told him at first, so just so you know, no one can tell. Mm. I was like, I, I know you probably feel insecure about this thing. Cause it's new. Like it's a new medical thing. I was like, no one in the audience can tell. And I just felt implied to tell him implied, uh, called. compelled, compelled. Yeah. I yeah. say implied. <laughs> I should talk better, but uh, complied. You were thinking com- complied, compliance, and is compelled. Compelled. Okay, maybe that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm your therapist. You're now, my co-host. You know? Yeah, I'm your co-host. Oh shit! Oh, you were. Oops. You broke the. I'm step. fired. <laughs> no, no. Um. Anyway, I'm just saying. Sometimes, and maybe I go out of my way, and I'm that comic now that people don't want to hear from. Where I'm like, hey, you know, what'd be funny. You should go back to that thing about the uh, this guy and that. You know. I did that the other night. <laughs> I did. I told a, a guy that. I don't think I know him on that level yet. And I go, oh, when you said this, I was thinking you were going to say that. And then I was like, just leaving it out there for him. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay. And I'm like, nah. yeah. oh, well. You know, personalities are not always the same off stage, and it's, it's fine, too. But you could tell me anything ever. I would love all feedback from you anytime. I love it. I love talking about it. You also get thicker skin. Like, you can't really insult me, if, even if my joke is not that. Like, if you make fun of my joke. Whatever, like we're, I'm not married to anything. I think that's what's helping me. Like, I can cut stuff because it, I don't have a special. I don't have, I can lose it and I can just make it better. That's what this is. You're chiseling. Yeah. You know, there's there's a there's a um, freedom in that. In like, you know, I think we should always feel that freedom. We think I think we think a little bit too much about it, and we we say, oh well, I have too much to risk. But when do you you know, you really don't. It's this practice in humility because we always want however many people are there to think we're funny, right? And there's mm-hmm. this risk of, like, if I try something that's not what I know works, it won't be funny, and I'll, they'll think I'm not funny. And like, But really, if you zoom out, even if the new stuff bombed for however many people are there, you're going to get over it. It's not, in terms of life, gratitude, mm-hmm. it's not that grave. It's not that... It is high stakes, but not really. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I have that perspective on it lately as well, too. But then when you're when you hear people laughing and there's a bunch of people there, you know you just want to ace, you know, you just it's like it's like you step up, you're like, I gotta do good, you know. Yeah. I, f- I feel like more and more I- I've been more like relaxing about destroying, you know? Uh because because sometimes when you when you try to kill, it's you're off your own you're you know, you're on your professional agenda right. when you wanna when you wanna just kill, you know. But that's what your your performer, like your person, who you are inside as a as a person, that sharing that with the audience or like connecting with the audience, that should be your only agenda. Does totally. that make any sense? Totally, it should be show your to goal. show. Yeah, yeah, because we it's like any job. If you get too in your head and you're too perfectionist about it, you're, it's going to show, and you're not mm. going to do as good of a job. And I'm starting to tell myself that because I'm performing more consistently. It's like just play, do the material, but play. And like, 
I also never wanted to do stand up because I thought it was like the same script for everybody, and I don't like the monotony of that idea. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of forced myself to play as much as do stuff I think will work, and it and it morphs, and it's it's just look, I'm so young, and it, it's helping me write more because I'm playing around with stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I look at someone like you, full special, and I go, wow, like, that'd be cool one day. You know? Man, just you just keep going, man. And then you like when you say chisel, right? You're gonna get those those finished carved pieces, and you then you're gonna have two of them. Then you're gonna have five of them. Then you're gonna have ten of them, and then you're gonna be like, now I'm gonna shoot my special. Yeah, you know, it's an economy of words and time, man. That's it. Just yeah. how long's your special? Fifty three minutes. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. That's tight, dude. And I feel like this is one that people are gonna watch the whole thing. Yeah, it's tight. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. There's a lot of people, they'll watch 10 minutes of a special. But this one, once you see the first part, you're going to be like, damn, I'm sticking around. I'm excited, man. And, like, in this day and age, that's a good amount of time, like, where you could, you know, put some clips out and tease it a bit and get people excited. Um, I'm proud of you, too, for because we talked the other night. I know it's on YouTube, and that's the way to go, and that should feel really cool, too. Like, that's a huge step to do that. Put it yeah, out. Yeah, man. You put know, like, we, we gave it to all the networks, and... I am honestly glad that I'm going on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It sounds counterintuitive because you want to sell your special and you want to make money on it, right? But the thing is, it kind of goes along with the theme of my special, and it and it also gives me the most control. Yeah, and it and it it's like I did it. I nobody can take it away from me. Nobody can say like, oh well, it's because you got on such and such network that now it got big, and Mm -hmm. it's not. It doesn't have value. If my special takes off, or when my special takes off, it is going to. It's all because of the audience liked it. Yep. You know what I mean? And it's the material and the comedy and the person. I think that YouTube has that um, ecosystem of that. Like, people will seek out and like comedians, Mm -hmm. and they will watch it and share it, and... They're they're, they're there. The audience is there waiting for it. That's what's cool about it. Right. Whereas a Netflix of the world or an Amazon or something, it's good optics. It's good maybe paycheck, but it doesn't necessarily mean users will go find it and watch it. Like right. I, you're in the playing, like YouTube is, and everyone we know has done the same thing now. It's like, I've heard so many comedians talk about this. You yeah. control it. You know, it's brilliant, man. You, look, when I'm older, I want to be like you. So you're doing all the things right. <laughs> well, I want to be like you too. Well, let's be like each other and hold hands and go on jogs. All right, let's go. <laughs> Sync well, up our legs. Yeah, I look. I'm, 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 I'm. I get comfy at this point in the episode. Now I'm putting my feet up. Uh, where can everyone follow you and make sure to see the special, just so everyone knows officially? Yeah, yeah. Instagram, uh, Eric Schwartz with three E's: E E E R I C S C H W A R T Z. Uh, my YouTube channel is my name, Eric Schwartz, and my website, EricSchwartzLive.com. You can find all my tour dates and link to anything that I do. Are you going on tour soon? Uh, yeah, I got my tour starts uh, December. And we're going to do a lot more dates in 2024. Awesome, man. Yeah. I'm so glad we're friends now. I feel like this happened very faithfully this week. And, and I, I consider you a friend now. Nah, likewise, man. Thank you. It took this, though. Like, you showed up. Yeah, dude. You ate the chocolates. I ate the chocolates. I'm in. You said I had good hair, gumby hair, you know? <laughs> you told me about your parent stuff on the couch. Yeah, man. We had a great time. It was great. I felt so relaxed. And um, have me back anytime. Dude, yeah. Like, soon. Yeah. All As right. a matter of fact, because we're neighbors, if you're in the <laughs> L.A. area and you see us running in the area, yell at us. Yeah. It's going to happen. You're going to see us jogging. You see one bald guy and one Gumby guy, <laughs> two pairs of glasses. 
We should really do a sketch or something where we like dress up like something weird and run. I don't know what and it is And three yet. legs because we're going to tie one of our legs Three together. legs. Yeah. Dude, probably be a good core workout. Yeah. We're going to tie one of a three-legged marathon runner. Dude, I'm in. Right. I, I'm so glad you came. Thanks for coming. Guys, make sure to check out the new special out now on YouTube, Delivery, Eric Schwartz. Thanks for tuning in again. I'm always having fun in here. Uh, come back. We are here every week. Eric, you're the man. Thanks for coming, dude. Thank you, man. See you guys.